Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Kat is going to be so mad at me for telling this story. What She's going to be so mad. A couple weeks ago... I'm already uh, mad. What are you talking about? Porcupine got hit by a car just down the road from us. And uh, Kat, being the sensitive animal lover that she is, and, 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 and I love that about her... But after she couldn't resuscitate the animal, she was doing like mouth to mouth. She um, took it upon herself to dispose of the animal in an appropriate and dignified manner. I think it was like a Viking funeral, wasn't it? Really what happened was she just got some tools and went down and, 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 and cleaned him up off the road and then threw the tools in the trunk of my car and we forgot it or she forgot to tell me about that. Fast forward to a couple days ago, we go to Quebec. We live in Bangor. We live in uh, the hometown of Stephen King. That's right. We love you. And we're going to keep mentioning that until he tweets us out. Glum, glum, glum. Um, So we decided to go to Quebec, and at the international border crossing, they pull us over for a random check. And we had to spend about 45 minutes trying to explain to them why we had a shovel and a bloody tarp in our trunk, why we were uh, trying to get across the border with these accoutrements Mm. in the trunk of our car. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. It's not the first time this kind of thing has happened either. No, no. it's not. It's the last not. time I went to uh, meet you in D.C. and uh, the the nice man who was going through the luggage after the X-ray went off uh, said, D- "Is there a reason why you have this knife?" And I was like, "Ah, <laughs> dang, yeah, sorry." Yeah, it was just like he a took little it away. a Leatherman. Right, just a little. You had a, it wasn't a Leatherman. It was something like a that. Switchblade, oh, but yeah, it was not a Switchblade. Yeah, it, uh, the other side was a, a comb. So one side <laughs> works for the the Don't. shiving, and the other side is like, hey, for the grooming. Yeah, the shiving and the grooming, <laughs> and the grooming and the shiving. Right. Yeah. So anyway, we talked our way out of it. Uh, it took us much longer than it it should have because neither one of us knew how to say bloody tarp in French. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome to 
What is the name of the show again? The Box of Oddities. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what we're doing, The Box of Oddities. Yeah. We enjoy this. This is what we do. We sit around at the house, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a little place um, up in Maine, and we sit around the house playing cribbage. The the home of uh, Stephen King. Stephen King, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Have you read, Carrie? So good. And uh, while we're just uh, you know playing cards and stuff on the lake, we will uh, we'll just tell each other weird things that we have discovered on the interwebbles. It's my favorite thing. We decided, hey, you know what? This maybe there's other people that are interested in this weird crap. Yeah, like we are. So we started the podcast, the Box of Oddities, Box of Odd- the Box of Oddities dot com. Uh, you can find us on social media, but if you just go to the Box of Oddities dot com, you'll find all those links yeah. as well as episodes. And things of that nature. So, should we start? Um, yes. You got the big blue head? Uh, is that how we're doing it? You want to do something different today? Well, we can. I mean... What do you want to do? I don't... I don't even think the big blue head is in here anymore. No, it's right over here. It's... It's behind the monkey paw. <laughs> we can... <laughs> That's... He's kidding. We don't have a monkey paw in here. <clears throat> well... That's gross. Not anymore. <laughs> Sold it on eBay. You want to spin the blue head or do you want to do something different? No, we'll do something different. Okay. God, Sorry, blue head. We've it's used you and fine. tossed you away. That's enough. Spent that sound is horrible. Smoking like a shotgun shell in the sand. Uh, well, we've got... Uh... We already spun the pig fetus in a bottle, so we can't do that again. Unless you want to. No, no. Okay. Let's 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 do something different. How about the uh, the little box that I have filled with tiny tiny knives? What do you want to do with that? We'll just spin it. All right. Oh, this isn't working the way I'd planned. All right. How about you go first? <laughs> okay, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There is this guy. His name is Orlando Sorrell. Orlando Sorrell is a really interesting and unusual guy. Orlando Sorrell, when he was 10 years old, he was uh, doing what most kids do. They're out playing baseball, having a good time. Wait, how old? 10. He was 10. Okay. It just seems like a much older name. It does, doesn't, doesn't Orlando it? Sorrell sound like an old man? It kind of does. Yeah. Anyway, okay, go ahead. So he was playing baseball, and he was struck in the side, uh, the left side of his head with a baseball really hard, knocked oh him out. But he got up and he finished the game and he figured, well, you know, I guess I'll, I'll be okay. And he did not seek medical attention, despite the fact that, you know, he'd been hitting the side of the head with right. a baseball and he had these headaches. Eventually, the headaches went away. And according to uh, Mental Floss, um, Sorrell found that he had a special talent called calendar calculating after his head injury. You can throw out any date. You could say uh, October 14th, 1722. He'll tell you not only the date, but what the weather was like that day in his hometown uh, or in like Virginia. Like he can tell you what the day of the week is? He can tell you the day of the week, yeah. If you say, you know, tell me about uh, February 26, 1902, he'll say, for example, I don't know what it is because I didn't get hit in the head with a baseball. But he says, he will say, well, it's uh, like a Tuesday. It was Tuesday. And then you ask him, well, what was the weather like in Virginia, which is where he lives? And he can tell you what the weather was like in Virginia. Now, well, that's the, the thing, is that he never studied calendars. He did not study any kind of algorithms, weather charts, nothing. He just, he just knows it. He says... 
he can just see the answers floating in front of him. That's so weird. The condition is called acquired savant syndrome. Okay. Now, you know, we all know savants. We, we've seen Rain Man, sure. you know, people who um, have remarkable skills that are not, uh, there's no way to really explain these things. Yeah, that's amazing. And perhaps there are other areas in their lives where they, they can't take care of themselves quite as well, maybe socially or whatever the case may be. Okay. So they, they become extraordinary in one area, but become kind of deficient in another. Yes. But acquired savant syndrome is triggered when there is an injury to some part of the brain. And it's often, I guess, the left hemisphere. I guess that somehow it makes a connection in the left hemisphere of the brain. Um, the rewiring of that intact tissue somehow releases dormant potential in an individual. What? According to uh, MN, MNN.com, MotherNatureNetwork.com. That's where I picked that little bit of information up from. Um, so it's all in there. Wow. The theory is it's all in there. But sometimes a good whack in the head will, uh, will release it. Wow. And there's so many really amazing examples of this. Uh, here, here's one. A guy named Jason Padgett. An article he wrote for Junkie.com. Before his accident, he was a futon salesman. Okay. After his accident, a number theorist. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what a number theorist is. I don't see that's the thing. I don't even know, but it sounds fancy. It really does. What happened was, according to him, uh, he got mugged. Uh, he said these people uh, punched and kicked him and uh, said, Give me your goddamn jacket. And, oh. was, and they beat him up and uh, they took his jacket, but they kicked him in the head repeatedly. Bullying's not okay. No. Nor is thievery. No. He said the next thing he remembered, he doesn't remember the, uh, the ambulance ride over or anything. He doesn't remember any of it. First thing he remembered was waking up in the hospital and everything, as he said, seemed a bit funky. I was on a lot of pain medication, so I assumed that it was, it was that. Sure, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, the next day, things still looked strange and, and just not normal. When he, he said when he looked around, he could see the motion of objects. But it wasn't smooth any, anymore. Instead, it was jarring. It was like um, one frame would follow by another, like, a, like if you're watching a video and, um, you know, it's being paused repetitively, mm. but moving to the next frame. But there's a pause in yeah. between. And he said in between the movements of each object, he could see this visual trail in real time where the object was. And where it was moved, kind of like that scene from Donnie, Donnie Darko. Darko. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. He says that that little trail tells him all sorts of cool things, like how fast the object is moving, what its velocity is, the faster something goes, the further apart um, the object frames are. Sure. Seeing like this makes him uh, super hyper aware of the geometry of things. And because of that, he's become a numbers theorist. Isn't that oh, crazy? That is insane. <laughs> and the idea that it's all in your brain as well, and it just hasn't been unlocked, is fascinating yeah. slash terrifying. Well, you hear stories. What else is in there? I know. Everything is in there, apparently. Well, you hear, there I don't was know another, if I like that. <laughs> <laughs> there was another theory, uh, not a theory, there was another story of, of a uh, woman who had a stroke, pretty catastrophic stroke. And when she woke up, she 
<clears throat> spoke German fluently. I've heard about that. That's there have been a couple of cases where that kind of thing happens, and it the idea that it just the information comes from somewhere. It comes from somewhere, but where? Yeah. She had never spoken German. She could barely speak her own language, from what I understand, much like many of us here in the United States. Sure. That's a joke for all of you people listening overseas. Um, but yes, there was there was no way that she could have known this. And not only did she speak it fluently, but with a very specific accent from a very specific region wow. of Germany. They were able so to pinpoint. Yeah. I I, does that that kind of brings up the idea of like reincarnation? Yeah. And maybe there are, um, and this is just me riffing here. Sure. Uh, maybe your energy retains the information, but only the stuff that you learn in this life is the stuff that you're expected to work with here. But the rest is still in there from your past sure. businesses. Sure. Uh, there was a, another uh, example of that, and I can't think of um, – this was not a um, acquired savant syndrome. This was um, – was an accident. He started smashing his own head, hoping no, to get smart. No, no. But <laughs> based I'm on – considering. Yeah. <laughs> a quick whack to the noggin with a croquet mallet, and <laughs> I'm a piano virtuoso. <laughs> Well, there's a there's a guy that that they think maybe that might have happened to. He um, he's he's not uh, uh, he doesn't have the acquired savant syndrome. Uh, he is a blind savant. He was born this way. His name is Derek Parafazzini, and you may have seen uh, there was a, a documentary on him on uh, PBS years ago. His he 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 can hear a song once and play it exactly. Um, that way, just exactly the same. He hears it one time, boom, it plays it. You, you say a song, even if he's never played it before, if he's heard it once, he can play it. That's amazing. And they say he plays in a very distinctive uh, 1920s blues musician style. Interesting. And, Reincarnation. Yeah, and, and they've pinpointed it to one musician, and his name um, escapes me at this point, but they say that uh, he plays just like this guy, this uh, blues-slash-jazz pianist, from uh, the mid-1920s. Which I'm guessing he wasn't obsessed with before uh, his savantism kicked in? No. Yeah. No. He just sat down at a toy piano and started playing. That's unbelievable. It really is. That's a little bit different. The acquired savant syndrome is uh, what we're talking about. Now, this is a really cool example. This is the last one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, share with you. A guy named Derek Amato. Two different Dereks. Interesting. Yeah. Derek Amato, when he was um, mm. a teenager... Amato's. Nobody knows what Amato's I'm is. I'm so hungry right now. Amato's is a local pizza chain. It's, Here it, in Bangor, Maine, home it, of Stephen King. Stephen King, have you read Bag of Bones? It's the most realistic depiction of love that you'll ever read. Derek Amato. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He was out horsing around, ah. as teenagers will do, around the pool. Sure. And a friend threw a football, and he dove for the football, and um, <clears throat> I guess... Uh, he just missed the football by inches. He was stretching really to mm -hmm. to, to catch it, and uh, he missed the football. But he cracked his head against the side of the pool, oh, slammed and no. actually slammed into the concrete floor. Oh. It was a such bone jarring force. He said uh, that it felt like an explosion. Lordy, he pushed himself up to the surface. Um, he grabbed his head. He thought that um, the water streaming down his cheeks was blood gushing from his ears. Uh, fortunately, it, it wasn't. Uh, Popular Science did an article on him. 
Um, he collapsed in the arms of his friend, according to this article. His friends took him to his uh, took him to the hospital. Yeah, good. They were both high school buddies. He drifted in and out of consciousness, and uh, he was insisting that uh, he was a professional baseball player, and he was late for spring training in Phoenix. Oh, my gosh. Which was weird. Yeah. Amato's mother then took him back to the emergency room. Doctors diagnosed him with a very severe concussion, and they sent him home with instructions for his mother to keep waking him up every few hours sure. to make sure that he was going to be okay. It was weeks before he... With the full impact of Amato's head injury, head trauma, um, became apparent. He he lost like 35% of his hearing in one ear. Oh, my goodness. He had headaches. Uh, he couldn't remember things. These are all things that you would expect with a traumatic uh, head injury. Yeah. But the most dramatic consequence appeared four days after his accident, four days after. He woke up. He's kind of uh, bleary-eyed. Hadn't been sleeping really well. He went over to his buddy's house, one of the ones that was there mm-hmm. during his accident. And um, his his friend had a makeshift music studio. And he was sitting around and Amato spotted a cheap electric keyboard. Never played keyboards ever in his life. Sure. Without thinking, he, he just kind of got up and he went over and he sat down in front of it. And um, he started uh, tinkling about. And to his astonishment and everybody else's, he just started playing beautifully like he was a concert pianist. He had never played before. Did he Did he have like this urge to play? Yes. Was it like he just didn't make any sense, but he was just like, I must play that yes, piano? Yes, that was it. Wow. He, he almost couldn't control himself. Wow. He played for six hours straight. Oh. Well into the next morning. Uh, he just, you know, obviously couldn't explain that. Um, he would wake up. The next day after this, and he, he, his fingers were moving like he was playing piano in his sleep. What? And he started writing down the notes uh-huh. that his fingers were playing on against his leg, and they were songs. They were beautiful songs. Songs that already exist or that songs that he made up in his brain parts? New songs that had never existed. Oh, my gosh. Crazy, isn't it? It's so crazy. And also a little creepy. I'm sorry. I don't want it feels a little like your brain's being taken over. And, yeah. you know, you have the opportunity in life to say, I want to learn how to play piano. And then you learn how to play piano. Um, not in my case. I fail at everything <laughs> um, that it involves musical instruments. You're good with a shovel and a tarp, though. Thank you. It's a niche. It is. So I don't know. It's. And I, I recognize, obviously, how amazing it is and, and the opportunities that it would provide. But it's also a little creepy yeah. that you you didn't choose to have this in your nut. And all of a sudden, there it lives. Yeah. Ugh. You want to hear what he sounds like? Yes. I have a – this is on YouTube. It's uh, orado.com. This was – I don't know if this – I haven't listened to it all the way through. I'm just kind of dropping the needle, so to speak. So I don't know if this is an original piece of music or if this is one that, uh, you know, that, that exists that he's just playing. But this was, this was recorded four weeks after the first time he sat down at the piano, never having played before. that amazing yeah it started off a little dodgy but it got better well the 
the acoustics aren't that great. <laughs> it looks like he's, uh, he's sitting at his mom's house with a baseball hat on. So. Aww. And if you want to find out more information about uh, any of those stories, you can check out uh, just, you know, Google acquired savant syndrome and uh, psychology today has has some good stuff. That's amazing. About that. So there you go. And I'm sure that there are many, many stories. Yes. That it, well, there was one a guy sneezed in his bathroom and and broke a blood vessel. But when he recovered, he became this uh, incredible watercolor painter. Oh, my goodness. But in his case, it was almost a curse because he couldn't stop painting. Oh, no. It was just like these beautiful paintings, but he he just couldn't stop. And he would paint not only canvases. It's like that movie we saw, The Devil's Candy. Yes. Yeah. Everything everything goes back to a movie we've watched. (laughs) But he would paint the walls of his house, the floors. He'd go out, paint the side of his car. He just couldn't stop. It became a, a bit of a curse. Absolutely. That sounds horrible. Yeah. So beware of what you ask for and yes. be careful nobody whacks you in the noggin with a cricket mallet. Right. Or is it a mallet that they play cricket with? No. It's a paddle, isn't it? Cricket, yes. Earlier right. you said the other one croquet. With the sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Croquet mallet. That would have been funnier. Well, you said it earlier, so uh, I like to, that you moved on to a different I tried, sport. I tried. It's it's good. This is the box of oddities. Your mileage may vary. Here are five weird facts really quick. Number five, the medical name for butt crack is intergluteal cleft. (laughs) That sounds lovely. Number four, dogs sweat through their paws. Number three, people can suffer from a psychological disorder called boanthropy, which makes them believe they are a cow. Number two, bullfrogs don't sleep. And number one, daddy long legs have penises, which technically makes them not a spider. Really? That's fascinating. So again, if you would, just uh, give us a five-star rating and a positive review on iTunes, and and we would be forever grateful. We'll come to your house, and we'll do your dishes. Um, The five-star review is really important, um, and please don't base your review on what we just did. Or the quality of any of our shows. No, but how nice we think you are. Yeah. And look, today... You look nice. So nice. So, so So nice. So nice. You can also find us on uh, theboxofoddities.com. Um, that is our website, of course, with all of the links to our social media. The Instagrams and the Facebooks and the uh, Twitter. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Okay, your turn. Okay, here we go. What you got? Uh, we can't stop. We won't stop. This is actually something that we've discussed before and was one of the inspirations for this podcast in the first place. Today, uh, we are going to discuss the dancing plague Ah, of 1518. I love this. It's so weird. Okay, so in July 1518, residents of the city of Strasbourg, uh, then part of the Holy Roman Empire, were struck by a sudden and seemingly uncontrollable urge to dance. Yeah. By the way, I took most of this from the uh, History Channel website and uh, Wikipedia, obviously. I used quite a bit because it's my life. Uh, The hysteria kicked off when one woman known as Frau Trophia stepped into the street and began to silently twist, twirl, and shake. She kept up her solo dance-a-thon for nearly a week. Nonstop. Nonstop. And before long... Uh, some three dozen others 
had joined in. And there was no music, right? There she was, was no just, music. Yeah. It was just the street and people dancing. So it wasn't just that people were out there trying to keep her company. They had this uncontrollable urge to dance with her? It varies. Okay. Uh, by August, the, dam- the dancing epidemic had claimed as many as 400 victims. 400 people out in the streets, gyrating, twisting, shaking themselves. Sounds, Sometimes. Sounds like Mardi Gras. <laughs> Uh, With no other explanation for the phenomenon, local physicians blamed it on, quote, hot blood and suggested (laughs) that it afflicted uh, simply uh, in the the same way that a fever does. Sure. And Foreigner later wrote a hit tune about it. Right. Check it and see. I got a fever of 103. uh, (laughs) I'm dancing in the street till I got to (laughs) pee. Eventually, this was a a theory, a way to deal with this situation. Officials built a stage and professional dancers were brought in and they hired a band to provide (laughs) backing music. They thought maybe this will get it out of their system. Uh Uh, But it wasn't long before the marathon started to take its toll and dancers collapsed from sheer exhaustion. Some died from strokes and heart attacks. And the strange episode didn't end until September when the remaining dancers were whisked away to a mountaintop shrine to pray for absolution. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's it's one of those things that it does not sound real. The Strasbourg dancing plague might sound like uh, the stuff of legend. Uh, I mean, it is. But it's well documented in the 16th century historical records. And it's not the only known incident of its kind. Similar manias... Um, include, uh, well, one of the earliest incidents happened sometime in the 1020s in Bernburg, where 18 peasants began singing and dancing around in a church, disturbing a Christmas Eve service. Couldn't stop. They couldn't stop. Uh, further outbreaks occurred in the 13th century, uh, including one in 1237 in which a large group of children traveled uh, to Erfurt, Erfurt to Ernstert, uh, jumping and dancing all the way, and marked similarity to the legend of the Pied Piper. And that's what it, people would refer to, like, wow. you know, the, those Pied Piper kids that, again, could not stop dancing. Another incident in 1278 involved about 200 people dancing on a bridge over a river in Germany, which resulted in its collapse. Um Many people died, but many of the survivors were restored to full health at a nearby chapel uh, in St. Vitus. I would like to know what their exp- explanation for their actions were. They, they couldn't. They, they couldn't tell you when why. When they got better, they just they, they said, we, I don't know. I just Exactly. My foot was set to tapping. <laughs> I, exactly like that, yes. I, in, in this chest beats the heart of a dancer. On June uh, 24th, 1374, one of the biggest outbreaks began in Germany in a place called Aachen, or maybe Aachen was the old name for Germany. I do not know the answer to this. Uh, We're just going to have to move along from it. Uh, Before spreading to other places such as Cologne, uh, Metz, Strasbourg, Utrecht, and two countries such as Italy and Luxembourg. Incidents then occurred all over Europe. So this is all a dancing plague. All dancing plagues. 
Yeah. And then in Italy, there's a similar phenomenon known as terratinism. 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 In which the victims were said to have been poisoned by a tarantula or scorpion, which are two very different things. And you should be able to tell the difference between (laughs) them. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, Its earliest known outbreak was in the 13th century. And the only antidote that they recommended was to dance. Uh, to separate the venom from the blood, which we should tell doctors about this, because if they don't know that you can just dance away your venomous bites, then, you know. We're wasting our time. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, As with dancing mania, these people would suddenly begin to dance, sometime affected by uh, perceived bite or sting. They were joined by others. And again, groups would form. And these people just couldn't stop dancing. And I don't know that I believe that these were caused by tarantula or scorpion bites, especially since, you know. But but in many cases, they, they danced until they died. Yes, 100 percent. It's that's in in various ways. Like I said, sometimes it would be a heart attack that would take them. Sometimes a stroke, sometimes sheer exhaustion would kill them. I mean, it, it might have been fun for the first few hours. I don't you know, think it would be fun at like, all. It's like a, a block party. It's like, hey, come on, let's go. Let's 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 party like it's 1503 and they're all out. It's like a, a big block party, especially when they brought the band in. But <laughs> but when people start dying, yeah. that's where I draw the line. Well, one of the things with tarantism, tarantism, uh, some would dance, but others would participate in other activities, like tying themselves up with vines or whipping each other, pretending to sword fight, uh, jumping into the sea. Some would die if there was no music to accompany their dancing. Wouldn't it be cool if you could time travel Danger Mouse, you know, back to that time period and um, have a rave? (laughs) Bring some glow sticks. Maybe that was their problem. Maybe they were all rolling and they didn't know. Maybe. that's We're actually going to discuss that. But if you want to keep talking, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up now. No, it's cool. No, I'm just going to drink my coffee. (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts America runs on Dunkin'. (laughs) Okay. So what could have led people to dance themselves literally to death? There's a historian. His name is John Waller. And he believes that it may concern a Catholic saint who uh, pious... 16th century Europeans believed had the power to curse people with the dancing plague, which if people believed that, then it might have been a hysteria kicked off by something else. But that belief is Mm. what made the actual dancing happened. Uh, Other theories suggested that the members were part of a religious cult or that they accidentally ingested ergot, Ah. which is a toxic mold that grows on damp rye. Sure. And uh, produces spasms and hallucinations. Isn't, and isn't that also, I'm sorry, I'm talking again. Isn't that also uh, what many people think caused the uh, Salem witch trials? Yes. Oh, wow. And it's like a, creates an LSD-like experience. Yes. Okay. I'm shutting up. Oh, I was just going to wait for you to tell me more. It's fine. No, I'm sorry. I, no, I'm not <laughs> telling you anything. I'm not mansplaining. <laughs> I'm just trying to get it straight in my pea brain. So um, the convulsive uh, symptoms from ergot tainted rye may have been the source of the accusations spurred during the the Salem witch trials. And it was a weird combination of things because some people believe that the spasms caused by the ergot made people think 
that people were witches, but because those accusers were also ingesting ergot, they were suffering the hallucinations that made things, you know, swell to the extremes that they did. So it was kind of a, a, a vicious cycle that just, that ended in horrible, horrible murder. Just, just a really, really bad trip. Right, and then um, some people believe that it's a scam; that it was all staged. Really? Yep. Wow. The end. That is so weird because it seems to me like it, it very likely was kind of like an ergot poisoning. Is that what it was called? Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe just continued to. Um, to grow and swell based on legends and and beliefs at the time and superstitions at the time, um, and it became a bit of a mass hysteria. Yeah, yeah. The things, the certain elements, just kind of fed off of each other and became this tremendous and incredibly fascinating, uh, well, horrible thing. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't. It's it's fascinating uh, because it. It happened centuries ago. If it happened today, I think people would be uh, would be panicked, don't you? Oh gosh, a hundred times yes. I mean, we get uh, a little bit of something over in whatever country, and people are freaking out automatically. What do you think today we would uh, say the reasoning behind it would be with today's technology? Oh, you mean if if a dancing plague kicked off? Yeah, twenty seventeen. Right, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Still working on that. Writing my checks wrong. <laughs> and, uh, okay, so uh, drugs. Drugs. Yeah, yeah. probably yeah. drugs. It's probably he's got that face-eating drug in him. <laughs> Which is probably what happened back then. Yeah. They just didn't understand it. They looked at it as witchcraft. Right. That's fascinating. It's kind of like that, uh, what is it, a Frenchman lumberjack's jumping disease? Yes. Is yeah. that something you're going to do in the future? Or? Um, it pro- it's it's very similar. It may come up, but I don't know if it'll be. That's a genetic the source thing, of yes. It's like where where this particular group of um, Acadian French Canadian lumberjacks would just start jumping and dancing for no reason. I'm going to look it up. French lumberjack dancing. Jumping Frenchman of Maine. Ah. You can learn more about that on rarediseases.com. And by the way, Maine is the state that uh, our city Bangor is in, which is the hometown of Stephen King. That's right. Stephen King, who we love and adore. By the way, have you read Cujo? Scary. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so that's it. That's it for today. Box of Oddities. Theboxofoddities.com. We appreciate your patronage, whatever that means. Yeah. Soon we hope to have T-shirts. Yeah, we're actually looking into some merch right now, mm-hmm. and we'll let you know. And, and you, you can be the first to know by checking out the website, theboxofoddities.com. Also, if you have an idea for a subject that you'd like us to research and, and talk about, we have a uh, an email address for you. Curator. Curator. Oh, you say it. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No. I love you. Please, I love you. Curator at theboxofoddities.com. Check us out on social media as well. And we will see you uh, next week for the next episode of The Box of Oddities. Uh, Cue the voiceover guy, who, by the way, his name is Lindsay. He's a nice man. And so, let it be known that The Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those of whom I report to to beseech you for assistance. 
The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities. And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.